Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Myung Ha Choi once again. Uh, I'm the executive pastor for New Philadelphia Church. I usually worship at the Hillside Campus, which is in Seoul. And this is my hometown. This is my territory. I was born and raised here uh, up to about 19. And then I moved to Seoul to go to college. And then I got saved and God really turned my life around. And then I'm here as a preacher now. So I recognize some of you. About a month ago, I came to preach um, too. So it was a really, really good time. And I'm really excited to preach again. And I connect with you guys again. I love Seaside. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I love this bar too. <laughs> and it's like amazing because like behind you, there's like a beautiful bridge. Like I could see like you guys, your beautiful faces and also the bridge and like the ocean. And this is amazing. I want to take a picture right now. Like anyway, so <laughs> I have a word for you guys. Um, I mean, as Mark, our brother Mark, he came all the way uh, down from Seoul with me. So let's give him a round of applause for Mark. That was powerful. Uh, I really felt God's heart really just being, just going out uh, to the people that are gathered here. It was so funny. Uh, we were singing, oh, happy day, right? I was like, oh, happy day. And then the tears were just streaming down my face. And I was like, oh, man, I'm singing, oh, happy day. I must look really weird right now. But strange, but, man, I just felt that God's love and God's heart for us who's gathered here so strongly. And God has something special for you today. Amen? I'm going to talk about love today. Love. Everyone say love. I turn to your neighbor, tell them, do you feel the love tonight? Actually, <laughs> this afternoon, do you feel the love this afternoon? Do you feel the love this afternoon, right? It's not tonight yet, this afternoon. I'm not just going to talk about love as like the TV shows talk about love like in an abstract concept in our head, but I'm going to actually talk about love that was manifested so that we will know. I want us to open up to First John chapter 4. It's toward the end of the New Testament. First John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. I'm going to have um, Lydia come up and read it for us. I had a practice this morning, so she was reading this whole passage like over and over uh, again to me. I was like putting on makeup, and then I was like, Lydia, can you read this passage for me? And then I, I made a practice, so Lydia, come up, Pastor Lydia, verses 7 to 21. She has an amazing voice, so you will enjoy it, all right? <laughs> wow, okay. Okay, let's read. God is love. beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god anyone who does not love does not know god because god is love in this the love of god was made manifest among us that god sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this is love not that we have loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. Thank you. Man, she, she just reads it with authority, you know, like it just ministers to me. I feel like I don't have to preach even, you know. Um, I have three points from this passage. And the first thing that I want to uh, communicate to you today is the fact that God manifested his love through sending of his one and only son. Amen. So if you look at verse nine, let's look at it together. Verse nine, it says this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that he might live through him. So God is love. You guys agree that? This passage tells us over and over again that God is love. What does that mean? You know, God God is Alpha and Omega. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's been love, you know. At the beginning, he was love. At the end, he's going to be love. He is love, right? But then it has been there for the eternity. But then the ultimate, the full manifestation of that love was revealed to us through the sending of the Son, Jesus Christ. So it's not that at the beginning there was no love and all of a sudden through Jesus' love appeared. It's not like that. From the beginning till the end, there is love, but then it was manifested. If the word manifestation is a little foreign to you, it's like expression. Like the love was expressed. And then the ultimate form of love that was expressed to us by God is who? It's Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Let's say this Busan man, handsome, good-looking man, fell in love with me, let's say, all right? <laughs> all right, he fell in love with me, but Busan men here, they're infamous for not expressing their love. Like, my dad is like an exception, but then a lot of people, especially the Gyeongsang province, the men here, they're known for not expressing their love, not being like affectionate at all. So there are like funny jokes, like only three things that they say at the end of the day to, to like their wife. It's like, Anne, like where are the children? Babun, like, did you eat? And like, Jaja, like, let's go to bed. <laughs> like, like those, those three sentences and that's it, you know? And if people here are really like inf- influenced for that, but like think about that man, he claims that he fell in love with me, does not express anything to me. No gift, no words, nothing, no letters, handwritten letters, you know? Nothing. He doesn't express anything. He doesn't manifest anything. Do I believe that he really loves me? Heck no. You know, I'm not going to believe him, you know? He's got to, you know, he's got to show that he actually loves me. He's got to manifest that love for me, right? It's the same way. God doesn't do that to us. He doesn't just say, I love you, and 
not do anything about it. He says, I love you. And he sent the manifestation, the expression of his love in the, in the best, in the greatest way ever. I mean, why is it so significant? I mean, he sent his son. Wow. Why is it so significant? And as I was meditating on this passage, something fresh really hit me this morning. And I mean, think about it. If you love someone, you'll be able to sacrifice more for that person. You guys agree? If I like Lydia this much, let's say I love Mina this much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, you know, the, the way I will show my love will also be kind of different. I will give her a candy, but I'll buy her a meal, right? <laughs> so the amount of sacrifice you are able to make kind of shows the commitment and the level of love that you have for that person. You guys agree? It's like everyone's like that. You know, if you can sacrifice or give up more for the person, it just shows that you you have bigger love for that person, right? But then um, think about it this way. Giving of what's limited, okay, shows the true love that you have for that person. Like, for example, let's say a, a girl, it's a true story, actually. Let's say that a girl got like a huge diamond from his fian- her fiancé, all right? So got a huge diamond engagement ring, and then people tell her, wow, he must love you a lot. You know, people say that, right? Oh my goodness, he must love you a lot. But it could be that, but also it could be that he just has a lot of money. You know? I mean, it could be just a little portion of what he has, you know? So the, the amount of, like, sacrifice that he made isn't equivalent to the love, amount of love that he carries. You guys get my point? You know? So, it, I mean, that's like a way the world perceives the love. Oh, big diamond, there must be a lot of love. But, you know, it could be just a little portion of, whatever, you know? So it's, it's, it's like, but then let's, let's think about like something that's really limited. You only have one, one thing, and it cannot be replaced. Let's say like you had a, like a tejigukbap or something. You got like mad garlic breath. I'm getting creative today up here, right? <laughs> I'm talking about all sorts of different things, but you have like a really like garlicky meal, and then you only have a one piece of gum. And for you to share that with someone is a lot of love. If you have a lot of them, it's easier to share. It's easier to give it away. But if you just have one piece, I mean, you will save it for yourself. Oh, sorry, I don't have any left. And you're going to eat it, right? <laughs> you're going to chew it, right? So when there is that limit, limitedness on what you have, that really shows being able to give that away for someone, that shows some true love, at least to me. If I have one candy, I'm going to eat that, right? So giving away what is limited shows the true love that you carry for the person. And think about this. We received not just a son. We received one and only true son of God. One and only. Who could not be replaced by anything, by anyone for the eternity. I mean, Jesus is the one and only. And God sacrificed him for us. We received him who could not be replaced by anything in this world for the eternity. Impossible. And God chose to give him to us. It's different than just a piece of gum. This is the son of God, one and only son. That's why the Bible repeats over and over again, my only son. I lo- God so loved the world that he gave his only son for this world, for us only son 
That's some powerful love. I mean, yeah, <laughs> only son. <laughs> I was gonna share about my dad actually.、Uh, my dad has a brother, older brother, and then I grew up in a typical Korean、uh, family. I don't know if how common it is like in、um, in Korean culture even. But then,、uh, my grandma and grandpa they had two sons and one daughter. And、uh, first son,、uh, so two sons, including my dad, two sons and one daughter. And what they decided to do was, so my my grandpa's brother was a baron, so he couldn't reproduce. So my grandpa decided to give my dad second son to his brother. So they shared, right? <laughs> so he kept the older son and then gave away my dad to his older brother. Am I making any sense right now? So he basically shared、uh, the two sons that he had, and they gave away、uh, my dad, right? So it's kind of—if you look at our family tree, it's kind of weird. Like it's really—it become really strange. But like it's only possible because my grandpa had two sons. You know, it's really not a big deal because oh, I have an heir. You know, it's just one of them because I have two. So you take one, I will keep one. Kind of deal, right? But then if you think about like. Let's say my dad was the only son. Do you think my grandpa would have made the decision? No way, you know. Like my, I got only son, and I cannot give it to anyone because I only got one. He's my one and only child, you know. It's it's it, it has that kind of significance. So when we just read through the scripture, oh, he gave his only son. No, we gotta put an emphasis on on that only, you know. We gotta capital capitalize it, only son. Who could not be replaced by anyone else? Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. And the second point that I want to present to you guys is that God manifests His love for us through His people. The full manifestation, the perfect manifestation, was made already on the cross by sending of His Son. But then God is not done with His business of revealing His love for us. It continues. I mean, think about his unlimited love. You know, it's bottomless, it's unending, it never runs out. And God, yeah, sent his. He made the full manifestation of his love, but then he's overflowing with love. You know, that the love continues, and then he's constantly, constantly expressing and manifesting his love for us today, even right now. So I want us to turn to four twelve. I want us to look at that one more time. Verse twelve. It says this: No one has ever seen God. If you love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. If you look at this passage, it's kind of out of the place. It's talking about love, and then all of a sudden, it says, "No one has ever seen God." Huh? Huh? What are you talking about? All of a sudden, you know, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us. His love abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. That word "perfected" is a heavy word, guys. Perfection—it's completed among us. So he's saying this: the church, the gathering of his people, is the manifestation of God's love. He's saying no one has ever seen him, but when the people who abide in my love gather together, that's the manifestation of my love. That's the expression of my love. He's, that's that's exactly what he's saying here. So so think about this, okay? God is love. You guys all agree? I made the point, right? God is love. That means all love comes from God. We do not possess any love in us. 
You know, we cannot just love someone with our own effort. It's impossible because we don't have any. So God is love and all love comes from God. Then all the love that's manifested in the church through the people, it all points back to him. So 1 John 4, 16, it says, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Confusing, right? (laughs) But what he's saying is every single moment of your life, every single bit of love that you received from your teachers, from your family, from your siblings, from your friends, everything points back to him, the giver of love, the beginner who started, the creator of love, who is love. It's really mind-boggling concept if you really think about it. All the love that I received growing up from birth, even from before, all that points back to the giver of love. I don't know if you guys heard about um, the five love languages. How many of you know about or heard about it? Five love languages. All right, good. Maybe like more, a little more than half. Uh, it's, um, I don't know if it's a Christian book. We were trying to search it on Google. Is it Christian book? All right, so I guess this guy, Dr. Gary Chapman, <laughs> Gary Chapman, I guess this man is a Christian counselor, so he does marriage counseling, right, over 30 years of experience. And this person wrote this book about the five love languages, and he categorizes the way people express and receive love. So the five categories are, think about what you are, okay? Number one is words of affirmation, like compliments and praises. Oh, you look really good today. Like expressing love, like writing letters, receiving letters, and things like that. Words of affirmation. Second is acts of service. So people carrying your bag for you, like doing things for you, organizing events for you, your birthday party, things like the acts of service. Quality time. People listening to you, you know, people spending time with you, eating with you, making time for you, or you doing that to others. Physical touch, like being very affectionate, receiving hugs and things like that. And gifts, gifts, come on, like (laughs) receiving and giving gifts. Like, you know, like whatever you like, people remembering what you like and getting it for you, different things like that. So let me see in this room who, so uh, should we do receiving or receiving wise? Like when you receive one of these, you feel the most love out of five, right? Think about yours, okay? And let me see who here is dominant words of affirmation, love receiver. You feel most love when you hear words. Oh, yeah. I see about five people. You look really good, Roy, today. <laughs> right, like that. Words of affirmation, act of service. Let me see who are the people. Dominant act of service, love receivers. All right, about five. I raised my hand, too. I'm one of them. Needy ones. Quality time. You feel most love when people spend time with you. Wow. A lot of people. Quality time. Okay. Um, physical touch. Don't be shy. <laughs> Nothing weird, okay? All right, Anthony, his hand is high, right? All right, all right. Kyle over there. All right, physical touch. All right, what about gifts? Don't be shy. <laughs> people tend to be shy about this, all right? But gifts, when you receive gifts, you feel most loved. Oh, Kelly, all right, good. All right, make sure to, yeah, buy her something on her birthday. <laughs> you know, gifts. Uh, I mean, people have different uh, love languages, and this study was out, this book is out, so that we will understand each other better. You know, in like marriage counseling, let's say a husband is very like a physical touch person, and he's trying to, no, not a good example, all right? <laughs> let's say a <laughs> husband is, 
<laughs> I don't know much about marriage, so let me throw that out. Uh, let's say the husband is a gift person, right? And he constantly buys his wife gift. Honey, I love you. This is gift, perfume, clothes, and the wife is not feeling at all. Like, uh, I'm not a gift person at all. Oh, thanks, honey. Looks great. And she never wears it, you know? Think about that. And then she just doesn't feel loved by him at all because there's that difference in their love languages. They don't understand each other's love language that, that you know, there's that uh, blockage in their intimacy, right? So to understand each other better, what you're giving, what you're receiving, and to kind of adjust and to really, like, develop that intimacy be, uh, among the people, this study was released, right? I think it's a really good thing, you know? Do you guys realize that if all love comes from God, God must be pretty good at all five areas? Have you thought about it that way? God must be pretty good and balanced in every single area of giving all these loves, right? So while he could take any of these five ways, even in creative more than five ways, he could directly do it to you, right? Directly, like he's still small voice whispering to you, I love you, you know, whispering to you that I have purpose for you. I have plans for you. You know, when you have quiet time, God speaks to you sometimes very directly. And some people say they hear audible voice of God here and there. Not often, right? And uh, he could give you, like, acts of service. God giving acts of service, like divine appointments. You know, he's setting up things before you. He's going before you and setting up things, preparing a job for you. That's, I think, acts of service, right? Anthony is feeling it. He just got a new job. So, you know, that's God's acts of service for you, brother. Mm-hmm. God's loving you, you know? And quality time. It's like quiet time, quality time. You know, I call my cutie quality time with God. I don't want to call it quiet time. It's not really quiet, right? So, it's quality time with God. We could always spend time with God. I'm alone in my room, but I know I'm not alone. I'm spending time with him. And also, uh, what is that? Physical touch. He could come and touch us. I went to Nepal uh, this year, beginning of this year. I went on a mission trip. And then uh, we were doing like a um, really, really powerful revival service there, right? And then I actually made a, like a not altar call. I had everyone stand up. And I really felt like God wanted to give like hugs for his children. And I just invited everyone to get into the receiving hug position. And the Nepalese people took it literally. And everyone literally stood like this. <laughs> Good five minutes. <laughs> it was really cute and funny. But later on, people testified that they felt physical hug. And some of them thought we came up and gave them hugs. No, we didn't touch them, right? <laughs> I didn't, right? I didn't go up to this Nepali brother and give him a shady hug. And I didn't do that, right? So God was actually giving out physical touch, his love, expressing his love. And another service that we had in Hetaura in Nepal, we asked for rain of the Holy Spirit. You know, God, Holy Spirit, come, you know, let it rain. You guys know the song? You know, we always sing about the spirit of, you know, the rain of the Holy Spirit. We were singing and then we were waiting for like a good hour. So we're like, waiting, God, let it rain, let it rain. And all of a sudden, like, literally in the spirit, it rain, rain came. All of a sudden, the entire room was, like, silent. And then something just broke in the spirit. And just Holy Spirit started touching everybody. And then people were, like, falling, crying. And, like, you know, people were having, like, really powerful encounters with God. And people came up to testify later and said, one, one brother came up and said, I felt physical rain falling on me. And I thought, like, the roof, t- roof was gone. 
because like, he really felt that the rain coming down, like a, I'm talking about the liquid rain, right? So he felt that the liquid love of God in a form of rain. Physical touch, not impossible if you tap into the supernatural of God, right? Our God is supernatural God, right? And um, I mean, gift is, yeah. I mean, gift, like manna, you read it in the Bible, right? God, God giving us like things. He could drop something out of Nowhere too, right? Like manna falling from skies and all these like random gifts that you get from the Lord. But do you realize that though he could do all these things directly, majority of the times it is through the people around you that he manifests his love. Majority of time. My number one love language, like I said, was acts of service. And um, I think it's mainly because I grew up with a dad who spoiled me with that act of service gift. He is like a master of acts of service. He did everything and anything for me. Uh, <laughs> there's a famous story that Caleb, Pastor Caleb loves to share to people to like embarrass me. I'm not sure if he did it here, but I'll do it myself, all right? <laughs> I'll do it myself. I'm not ashamed anymore. I didn't know how to properly tie my shoelace until college. Because, uh, oh man, one sister got shot. <laughs> I saw her jaw drop. <laughs> I didn't know how to properly, I knew how to do the bunny ears, but then the bunny ears wasn't even like strong enough to like hold my shoe down, you know? My, my dad, um, he will clean my shoe at night and then he will like nicely put together my shoes and he will like make it really tight and nice that I never had to touch it. So all my life, I just thought, oh, all the shoelaces were automatically fixed or, you know, like unless I stepped on it or something, I thought they would just stay like that forever, right? But later in college, when I had to move out of my house and I learned that, man, it doesn't, doesn't happen. It doesn't stay on like that. You know, it would like untie all the time, and I had to learn how to properly tie my shoelace, right? So that's how my dad spoiled me, but that's acts of service, right? And um, don't do that though to your daughter, right? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you know, he drove me around, you know, all my nine years of elementary school, middle school, he drove me to school. The school was only like 10 minute walk. He, he drove me every single morning, and then whenever it rained, he was there in front of school gate to pick me up after school and everything. I took it for granted for so many years. And uh, he always, like, uh, during winter, you know how you hate to go into your bed because it's so cold. You just feel me? It's like, ugh, the, the blanket's so cold that you have to heat it up with your body heat, right? So the first, like, one minute is, like, torturous, you know? Really cold. You know, and like, oh, I hate that. And um, I didn't know, I didn't even know that feeling until I went to college. Because what my dad did was um, <laughs> all my life, all my life, he would, you know, the electronic bl- blanket? He will always make my bed, because I never made my bed, all right? So he will always make my bed uh, when I'm taking a shower or something. And then he would turn on the electronic bl- blanket, and then he would set the perfect temperature for me. And then so when I go in, it's just like, perfect, you know, oh, warm bed. And I thought my bed was automatic. No, I didn't think that. But, you know, that was how my dad really served me. And that's the you know, love of the father, the father, manifested to me through my dad, you know. God, God is just, you know, you know, his nature is he's ascending God. So when he wants to show you that he loves you, he sends his people to demonstrate the love language that he speaks. So in other words, you guys are the love language of God. 
like when God wants to show that, show to Sharon here, I love you, he's going to send someone like Anna to sit with her and have coffee. You know, when God wants to show Chris that he really cares about him, God will put on someone's heart to give him like some donation to help with this tuition or something. That's love of God being manifested through his people, through the church. You guys get that? Yeah, he could do it directly, but a lot of times, majority of the times, he will use his body to really show and manifest the love for you. And I'm here to preach that this is the house that you can get that. You guys are God's love language. I mean, I was doing some, I came to Busan last night, and then uh, I st- stayed at uh, Anna and Lydia's house, somewhere in the bo- boonies, um, <laughs> it's really far, and then we were having some catch-up time late at night, and then we're talking, oh, we're talking about seaside, uh, and like, man, what brought us to this point, like, of being on the church planting, being a pastor, what brought us to the place of security and, like, safety and where we are right now? Well, what is the answer? And the Anna says something really profound. She said this, it's just a whole lot of love. And she was like, this whole lot of love that I received. And I thought that was just right on. And I totally wholeheartedly agree with her. It's just a whole lot of love that I received from the body, from his church, from his people that led me to this point of my life. Yeah, preaching and teaching. Yeah, church services, yeah, Holy Spirit encounters, of course, experiences, yeah, definitely. But what made our hearts open to all those stuff is definitely the, the manifestation of his love through the body of Christ. Uh, I want us to read 4.12 again, once again. It says this, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Yeah, we cannot see God's face, probably, but you see him in its perfected way at his church, among his people. In this place, you see his face through this. His love is perfected in this place, and that's the calling that is upon the church. His love should be perfected in this place, and you guys are part of that. I want to share about my stories. Uh, I already shared a lot, but please forgive me. I just have a lot to share. Um, when I first uh, came to church, it was 2005. And when I first moved to Seoul, I had no religious background of any kind. I was just purely, I thought I was an atheist, but I think I knew that there was a God. But that's where I was. Never heard of the gospel before. Jesus, never heard of him before. I wasn't Buddhist. I was, I was no, just religious, no religious background. And then I came to Seoul, and then God just literally dropped me in the middle of the sea of Christians. Like my professors, my new friends, and I went to Yihua, which is a mission school, so I had to go to chapel, like twice a week, and then my professor invited me to this English-speaking church to, you know, learn some English and all that. I just was like dropped into the middle of the Christian sea, right? I was like, what is going on? I really don't understand, right? I was very hostile to the Christians at the beginning. Uh, 2005, one of the people that really reached out to me, her name is Ju, J-O-O, Ju. And she's a Korean native who grew up in like 
Oklahoma, so she's kind of, kind of, she's weird, right? So <laughs> she's a little weird. <laughs> nothing, nothing against Oklahoma, okay? She's, she's weird, okay? But 2005, when I first met her, she just looked like, like so nerdy, like huge glasses, thick glasses, and like, I didn't feel her like outfit. I was like, oh man, nerdy. Like, you know, like, what a nerd. And then she came up to me, and she was like, hi, you know, my name is Ju, and blah, blah, blah. And then she asked for my phone number. And me being like so close to any strangers, not wanting to, you know, have anything to do with her, nerd, you know, I just uh, gave her the look and I said, oh, sorry, I, I don't give away phone numbers. And I just walked away, you know. But yeah, I, I was like that, you know, I would just cut people like that, you know, I'm sorry. And I just walked away. And um, she continuously reached out to me. I was really hurt by that, but uh, <laughs> she stuck through the journey, and then uh, she got married last year, and I was her maid of honor, so you could see how over the last seven years, the girl that was rejected by me, you know, asking for my phone number, has become my best friend, and then, you know, I had the honor of being her maid of honor, right, and uh, our friendship's only increasing, and then we're just such such good friends. She's still still nerdy, I know that. But <laughs> now I look over that. I see I love her, right? The way she is now, you know. She got to see me from a non-believer, broken girl, to become like growing Christian, baby Christian, and then becoming a leader and then becoming her own pastor. And now I preach to her, right? I rebuke her now, you know, and then she would be so proud of me. She is so proud of me. She's one of my biggest supporters, you know. Man. You never know. Even you're feeling, oh, I don't really like the girl sitting next to me. She's kind of nerdy, weird. <laughs> you might be thinking that, but you do not know what's going to happen to that kingdom connection that's happening in this room. You never know. Another person to mention is, uh, her name is um, Mi Jung Gangster Song. She's actually sitting here. It's kind of funny because uh, I was going to talk about it anyways, and then she um, happened to visit this Sunday. So, Mi Jung Honey, can you stand up for a second? All right, Mi Jung Honey. <laughs> She's a sister from Hillside, the campus that I attend. And uh, when I met her in 2005, she was a broken person. I was a broken person. <laughs> uh, we were both convinced that we hated each other. And I was... Uh, 100% convinced that, man, she doesn't like me. And I thought she really likes you, my friend, my best friend. So, yeah, I did, you did, right? <laughs> See, I knew. <laughs> you know, Mi Jung Honey showed so much love to you, and then she straight up just hated me. You know, that's at least how I felt. I perceived, a lot of perceived injury inside of me. But I was like, oh, Mi Jung Honey hates me. And I will cry about it, you know, I'll be mean to you because of that. But I, but I didn't like her either, you know, so whatever, you know. So we weren't close at all for years. Our first few year, years, we didn't, whatever, I don't care. She was like, I don't care about her, whatever, I think. But then a couple years later, I became her neighbor. I moved to like a, like five minute distance near, near her house. And I, I started living alone. And then, man, I used to have a roommate in college and then, being separated from her and living alone in a, a new city, foreign city. You guys all sympathize with me, right? You guys are all kind of living alone here. It's really lonely, right? I felt so lonely and alone and homesick and everything that I end up, ended up like staying at her house like every single night. Like I would spend like three to four nights at, a, at her house while I was paying 
my expensive rent in my own house, right? So I wouldn't go home, and I would just try to like stay at our house, like night after night. And then she really didn't like that. She, <laughs> she was like, "Mengdosa," like she called me "Mengdosa," which is like "Myeonghwa Chondosa," and like. Anyways, like she would be yelling at me, like go home. But she would be at the same time, like getting ready to feed me, you know. She would like make kenjangjigae for me, and then like she would be yelling, like go home. And then she would feed me, you know. And I just so- felt such motherly love from her. She took care of me, man. That's when I was living on support, and I was really poor. I was really broke. Oh my god, I was really broke. <laughs> I was really broke, and I was really craving like that motherly love. And uh, out of nowhere, this only that I believed that hated me for the longest time <laughs> was cooking for me. And, you know, I was staying at her house, and I never knew that. You know, God's love was manifested through her so strongly. My homesickness was gone after a while, and I continued to stay at her house. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> you know, she took care of me. And uh, that really opened up my heart. That love manifested through his people. Man, God must be really good. That was my confession. Man, all these people showing me so much love. Like when I'm not really lovable, when I know that, all these people like pouring their love on me makes no sense. And I, it made me think, man, God must be really real. And God must be love. Because all these people demonstrate that to me. And I cannot deny that. And what was so different about this love that I experienced? Yeah, I grew up in a loving family and all that, but like non-believing family, of course. What is so special and unique about the family of God and the love that we have? I believe, number one, is verse 13, it, it says that we are able to love this way because he's given us the spirit. He gave us his spirit. Spirit of God is spirit of love because God is love. And we receive that spirit through accepting Jesus Christ because we don't love in flesh. Because we love in His Spirit, we are able to love the way we do. You know, spirit, and I, loving someone in the Spirit, I think it means tapping into the supernatural. Tapping into what is beyond a natural level of relationship. You know, in the natural, you will be calculating, people will be calculating, what does that person have something to offer to me? You know, what kind of blessing can I... Not not a blessing, that's Christian term, right? What can I get from the person back? It's kind of like a give and take relationship, you know, and people choose to love certain people because of their calculation done in their head, and people choose not to reach out to some other people. You know, everyone does that in the world. But what I realized was people were loving me in the spirit. They were looking at me in the spirit. Like, I knew I wasn't an easy person to love. I knew it. <laughs> like deep down, I just knew. Because of my past, past rejections and my traumas and my abuse that I had to go through, I had such high and thick walls all around me. And my thing was, I will never let anyone hurt me ever again. And I was closed. I'm not going to allow that. I don't need friends. I, I'm done with that. Fake business. That's what, how I used to think. And I was so insecure in every single way you could imagine. I hated myself. I was kind of suicidal, depressed paranoid, stubborn. I was not a lovable person at all. I was really selfish in my love. I was not ready to receive or give love in any way. But when I was still like that, I mean, these people, why are they reaching out to me? Why are they, you know, still becoming friends, you know? Why are they still loving on me? It's because they love in spirit, not in the flesh. It's because they were tapping into the supernatural power of God that they're moving in the spirit of God. 
mean, the church loves because he loved us first. As Christians, we go out and love other people because we receive that love first. You guys realize you cannot give out what you do not have. And so many people try to do that. They try to give out love, but then there is such a lack of love in your heart, you know? And um, love is kind of like a resource that you got to keep getting the refill. You got to be filled with love so that you could give out love. You know, if you try to like love other people when you are not receiving any love from the very source of love, man, you are going to burn out. Let me guarantee that. You are going to burn out. You won't be able to love people in the spirit, you know? Abundance of love coming from the Father, coming from the throne of grace, coming from heaven, that's what fills you up, and then you are finally able to go out and love other people. When you love that way, you are not expecting anything back. You don't have to get anything back from the person. It's not give and take anymore, you know? I will love you no matter what. Your response to my love doesn't affect me anymore, you know? Whether you love me back or not, I don't care. I'm going to keep pouring love into you. That's what Christians are able to do because we get the resource from heaven, and then we give it out to the world. And when that connection is cut, then the love is not going to flow. It's not going to have any power. We love in spirit. Everyone say, we love in spirit. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, how that person responds to me doesn't dictate what I do. Whether I'm going to keep on loving this person or not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me anymore. You just ignore my hi, that's fine. I'll say hi again next week, you know. I don't need to get it back from you. You know, it comes from my Father in heaven. And I think such great example of what I'm saying is the Seaside Church Plant team. I don't know if you guys met any of them. What, what is this weird silence about? <laughs> if you guys love me, what people? I know they've been sacrificially. And I know that they've been getting the love from the Father. And they've been giving it out to you guys. I don't know how long you've been coming out to. But when I look at the pictures of your fellowship, when I look at all the activities that you do, going to Lotte game and all that, man, there's so much love going on. In this community, it, love is being established. You know, my God, do you say yes and amen to that? You see, you feel the love? Did I force you just now? <laughs> uh-huh. See? Yeah, awesome. They waited in line, you know, nine, ten in the morning to get them tickets. That's some crazy love. You know, there's nothing more devastating than a church that talks about love all the time and doesn't express that, doesn't manifest that love. That's what gives the label, oh, hypocrites. You know, people think about church as, oh, they always talk about love, but then you don't see love in their community. And I think that's very uh, sad. That's very terrible. And people look at it and say, if that's the fruit and outcome of the love that they talk about all the time, I don't want that. That's why people reject church. You know, because they don't see the substance or fruit of what they always preach about and talk about. You know, what are we, you know, what are we inviting people into? You know, we, we got to talk about, we got to think about that. You know, when we go out and evangelize, you know, to the bars, to the streets, when we invite people in, we got to be confident that the fruit that we have here is something that everyone on the street needs. We got to be confident that we are confident. We are confident that the love that we have in this house, on this campus, in this team is genuine. It's in spirit. It is, it over. It overlooks your faults or social awkwardness or whatever it is. You know, we, we are here to love and we are ready for that. 
you know, what are we inviting people into? You know, I am so confident the Seaside team is such a good example. I want us to look at verse 18. It says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love, and perfect love casts out fear. In NIV says, perfect love drives out fear. And then we talk about this verse, um, perfect love meaning the love of God, love of Jesus Christ. But then I think there's uh, different dimensions of this uh, passage. If you look at the Greek version of the Bible, the perfect, the word perfect is uh, interchangeably used with mature. So in some passages, it's mature, same exact Greek word. Or in some passages, it's perfect. So if you look at it that way, perfect love drives out fear. Mature love drives out fear. And I think, it, yeah, yes, it talks about the perfect love of God. Perfect love of Christ. When it comes, it drives out any fear that we have. But at the same time, I think it is talking about the mature love that the believers have among, um, you know, among us. That's the mature love that drives out the fear that the people have. Fear of judgment. Oh man, when I walk into the church, people are going to judge me. They're not going to accept me. Fear of rejection. Man, what if I get connected and they find out about all my sin? And what if I get rejected? People struggle with all kinds of fear. But then the mature love, committed love, mature love in Christ, that's what's going to drive out the fear. Fear of failure. Fear of letting other people down. Fear of not being able to be myself, all sorts of fear, mature lover covers it, it drives it out. That's why that's what church should look like. Man, I hear so many testimonies about our church plant team, and I'm so proud of them. All ten of them, they're beautiful. I love them so dearly. And when we sent them down here, they were my family members up in Hillside, up in Seoul. And he's Itaewon. When we sent them down, it's like sending away my family members so that they will start another family here. Man, this family is beautiful. And Seaside really is planned by God. Each person is picked by God. There's a reason why you're sitting at a sea robber's boss. <laughs> um, yeah, bar right here, you know. It's a beautiful thing. And third thing that I want to mention is this, simple. He's driving it home. He says, love one another. Beloved, love one another. Love was manifested through the son, through the giving of the only son. And the love is manifested, the mature love is manifested through the body. So, love one another. Do you guys know that in God's kingdom, there is no consumer? There is no consumer. It's not a cafe. It is a bar, but it's not a bar. You don't just come to get a cup of coffee, consume something, and leave. In God's kingdom, there was no consumer. Yeah, maybe when you're a new believer, you will get more than what you give out, but it naturally changes. As you receive more, naturally more goes out. No one sitting in this room should feel like, I'm a consumer. I'm going to receive and receive and receive, and I'm going to leave. You guys are here to receive, yes, and you're here to give. Love flows from you and through you. There's a really powerful analogy about the Red Sea. You guys all know about the Red Sea, right? The Red Sea, it's also called Dead Sea. The reason why the water is red 
It's because so much, it's the Jordan River. It's a, it's a mighty river that runs through, and it's like the lowest point of the entire earth. So it's a sea where all these water like gathers, and then it has nowhere else to go. Because it has no outlet, right? So all this water comes in with all the nutrients and all these things. It just gathers and gathers and gathers, and there's no outlet. It's only receiving. It's not giving out anything. What it becomes is a dead sea. When life is supposed to be flowing out, you receive and you flow out. You receive and you give. When that flow is cut, you're just receiving, receiving. Oh, it's good to be fed. It's good to receive, receive. You become a dead sea. You represent what is dead and not life at all, right? When you receive, you got to also understand, man, I'm only receiving so that I could give out. Everyone in this room, I want you to get this. You're not just coming to church to receive. You're here to receive and give. You have a lot to offer to the church plant team here. You guys know that? It's not like the church plant team is ministering to you all the time. They're here to give. Yes, they are. But you got so much to give to them as well, to the leaders, to the preachers. Come encourage me later, right? (laughs) You're here to receive and give. Yeah, you come here to receive from God, but also you can minister back to Him. You could give to Him. What you could offer to Him is so powerful and unique and beautiful. Do not be a consumer. Do not be the dead sea. Amen? When I take this time, oh, we're going to just pray. And our brother Mark's going to close us with the song. But before we do that, I just want to make a quick call. Could just close your eyes and just relax. <laughs> close your eyes, just relax. Just focus on the Lord. I talked about love a lot today. And I do believe that to- all these things that I talked about, it all points to God. The source of love, creator of love, who is love. Everything that I talked about today all points back to God. And I want to just invite you guys to reflect on every single um, pieces of love that you received through so many people in your life. Whenever you felt loved by someone, actually it was coming from the Father, from heaven. It was all flowing from His heart. To reflect on those moments when you were a child, when you are a student, you're from your family, from your friends, reflect upon all those love that you received and, and get it, it's all coming from the Father. It's all flowing from His heart. And how He's been so faithful to you in loving you, in showing you all kinds of different love languages through His people. All the sweet words that you received, all the hugs that you received, all the gifts and provision that you received, it's all coming from Him. All points back to His love. I want us to reflect on that really quickly.